Generations Church exists to glorify God in our community, to make disciples of Jesus, and to multiply churches so that the next generation is equipped to glorify God better than we did. Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. We are in our series called Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude, exploring the themes and the modern-day connections of the Heidelberg Catechism. Hey, everybody. My name is Rob Samuelson. I'm an elder at Generations Church. And with me today, as always, is my friend and the lead pastor at Generations Church, Pastor Jeff Ludington. How are you doing this morning, Jeff? I'm doing very well. I want to I want to give the disclaimer to everybody who's listening that I do pay Rob money to call me his friend. That there, I mean, that I, I just need the friends. And so, <laughs> pastor, yes. In fact, to be fair, they pay me to be the pastor, but then I have to pay Rob to be his friend. So, here we are this morning. Um, and I'm don't pay me for, enough, man. You don't pay me enough. Not nearly enough, for sure. Um, I'm excited to dig into uh, the Lord's Prayer. We talked about the Lord's Prayer. We talked about prayer in general last episode. And so a week ago, we were, uh, why does a Christian pray? Why is that important? And then uh, the final question was, how does Jesus teach us to pray? We said the Lord's Prayer. Um, today, we're going to start what are called the petitions of the prayer. So these, the sections, right? The things that uh, we ask for when we pray the Lord's Prayer. And so um, as we do that today, uh, we're, it's exciting to be in the Lord's Prayer. It's also exciting knowing we're in the home stretch. Like this is uh, episode 46 and this section or, or this on the catechism We'll have 52 episodes, and so we are in the home stretch, man. I'm excited to do this. Uh, so if you're just joining us today, we're in the Heidelberg Catechism. A catechism is a way of learning by memorizing questions and answers. This particular catechism is probably the most famous, uh, right up there with the Westminster Longer and Shorter Catechisms. And uh, it is 450 years old. Christians have been using this. Uh, not just Reformed Christians as we are, but uh, others. Other Many have used the Heidelberg Catechism to uh, to understand and learn about and teach their children about the faith. And so we are going to dive in today. Uh, I've got two questions, and, and Rob will read the, you know two answers to us. And that's what we're going to discuss today. Of course, like Rob said, tying them in to modern-day themes and connections. So, Ready? Yeah, yeah. Let me just uh, mention as well, though, I think people, you may have scared some people and you said we're almost at the end. Um, oh. Just let people know you and I are discussing that this podcast will continue just with different themes. So if you were yes. if you were starting to think, man, what am I going to do with my life in a few weeks when this is over? So yeah, good. Rest easy. Yep. Rest easy. We're, we're yes. in contact, contract negotiations. We are we're coming up with we are. New, new material, some great material. So <laughs> stay tuned. So 52 episodes in the catechism, right? <laughs> but then we're going to continue. Yes, as just as it existed before the catechism, well, you know, before we started the catechism, uh, it will exist after. And I think we've got some really good ideas on that. I don't want to, I mean, we just pulled people off the ledge by telling them we're going to continue. So we dragged them out of despair. <laughs> I don't want to shift them all to way to grandeur and excitement by telling them what we're going to do. So I think we should just leave it there. So just tease it out and just say, hey, we're going to continue. All right. And it's going to be awesome. That's all you it's need to know. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> That's it. Like football coming back, it's going to be awesome. All right. So go. question and answer 120 and 121. 
Why did Christ command us to call God our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God, or through Christ God has become our Father, and that just as our parents do not refuse us the things of this life, even less will God our Father refuse to give us what we ask in faith. That's good. So then why did Jesus give us the words in heaven? These words teach us not to think of God's heavenly majesty as something earthly and to expect everything needed for body and soul from God's almighty power. That's really cool. So if you're familiar with the Lord's Prayer, it begins with our Father in heaven. And so today we're asking, why did Jesus teach us to call God our Father And why does it say that God is in heaven? And so those are the, those are the two questions. And so the answers, man, are, uh, man, I I think they're, they're really good. I love that line, a childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our father. Uh, As Rob and I have said before, uh, Rob by vocation is a high school teacher at Valley Christian and uh, though I am a pastor by vocation this semester and uh, this year, uh, I've taken on um, the class reform doctrine to all the seniors in the high school. And so I'm also teaching there, just happens to be uh, uh, the same place and, and doing the same thing. And so um, we're both in the Bible department, though Rob is smart and also teaches math. But uh, this, last, this last week here, this, uh, this week, I was teaching our high school seniors, uh, 17-year-olds primarily, about how God reveals himself to us and that, that though God is incomprehensible, that he still wants us to know him. And so God uses language to reveal himself, sometimes uh, gives himself human attributes like, you know, God stretches out his hand to help those in need or things like that. But we were, we were talking about univocal and equivocal or equivocal uh, language, meaning words that mean the same thing and words that mean different things when attributed to God. And uh, Father is one of those that we use as an example in class that is univocal, meaning when God is revealed to us as Father, it is supposed to mean the same thing as when I say Rob is a father of two daughters, right? We have the same understanding. It's not different. Uh, It's not a unique definition of father. It's the same. So when we say, why did Christ command us to call God our father? It's because God is revealing himself that he has that role of father to us, right? And that the reaction is in the answer, that it should awaken in us a childlike reverence and trust, right? It should give us that comfort of knowing that God is our father, just like we have human fathers God is our Father. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I think whenever we, whenever I talk about this with students, it always brings up a, a story. Um, way back when I was just starting out in youth ministry, I took a group of students to a summer camp. Probably, I don't know, it must have been 300 students at the summer camp. I had a group of about 20. We had a, uh, this is middle school. I had a, um, a young middle school girl who was very new to the group, very new to, um, to Christianity, to going to church, and, and she wanted to come to camp with us. And in the middle of one of the afternoon talks, the uh, youth pastor that was up talking was talking about God being our father. And this girl in the middle of the talk just jumped up and bolted out of the, out of the chapel. 
And so I followed her and, and the female counselor followed her and we went out and, and sat down and talked with her and she was just in tears. And she had had such a bad experience with her father. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, she said her father was in jail. She didn't get to see him. She wanted to see him, but when he got out of jail, he wanted nothing to do with her. Um, she felt abandoned. She felt embarrassed. She felt unloved. And, and I think, you know, for some of us, we have great experiences with our father. And so when we, when Jesus calls God our father, it, it brings up, like you said, it brings up those ideas of what a good father is. Um, but for those people that have not had that experience, how do they understand God as a father? Yeah. You know, it's a good, and that's a, and that's a, a solid, solid question. And I, I always challenge Christians in, in general when asking questions, right? Like, I know this is kind of seen as a, both a faith topic and a political topic, but when you bring up the topic of abortion, it seems like one of the political responses is, well, what about rape and incest and blah, blah, blah. And so, and I'm not belittling those things, please. I'm, we're not talking about that conversation today, so I don't want to make light of those. But what I, I try and say is, listen, you know, I don't know what it is. 99% of abortions are not people that have been raped or, you know, abused by their father or something. But it's, it's people that have found themselves in, a, in an unwanted or crisis pregnancy. Okay, so rather than using the nuclear option to define things, rather than allowing rape or incest or something like that to define uh, a woman's, you know, if you want to use the political slogan, right to choose or, you know, whether it's right or wrong and all that. Let's look at the normal version. And I think that that's what Scripture is doing here with Father. Um, think of Matthew 7 says, Or which of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, meaning you're human, you're sinful, you're flawed, you're broken. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? So it's using the normal, right? And and uh, I don't have a... I have a I have a good relationship with my dad today, but I did not growing up. And um, I have a, a father and a stepfather, uh, both of which are our relationships growing up were not were not good and healthy. Uh, that are good today, and um, and I say that because even growing up with uh, two guys who were fairly angry and could be physical, um, I still understood what a good father was. And so that doesn't mean that young girls like the one you explained won't hear this and react because of their dad. But when we sit down and we talk about it, they also in their heads have an understanding of what a good dad would be. And if, if in this young girl's case, who well, I don't know her, but not, so I'm assuming, but a dad who didn't go to jail, a dad who wasn't, whether it be an embarrassment or an abandonment or however her reactions were, she knows what the opposite of that is. And that's kind of what Jesus is saying. Like, which of you, if a son asked him for bread, would give him a stone? Well, are there dads out there who, instead of giving him bread, would give a stone? Probably. But we all know what a good dad should be. And so even in the midst of that, um, we know what a father should be. And that's what Jesus is conveying. That good father, that perfect father, that heavenly father, that's who God is. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great. And I would say too, man, that's a great challenge uh, for the men out there um, and the women. If in your neighborhoods, um, you know, I, had a, I have an opportunity as a teacher, um, as a youth pastor, former youth pastor, as a coach to kind of be a father figure to uh, my students, my athletes um, in your neighborhoods. Yeah. You know, a kid may not have a strong um, father figure in their life or, or 
um, you know, female influence in their life. And, and if you can be that um, in your neighborhood or, or coaching a team, what a great influence that can be. It's also a large responsibility. You know, if God's calling, um, calling us to call God our father, uh, to, to work on it as a parent, being that kind of a father that, that loves like God does, that has mercy like God does, has forgiveness like God does. Um, the other part of this, it talks sure. about, talks about um, you know, in heaven, our father in heaven. And it just brought up a couple of thoughts in my mind. Um, one, you've been kind of going through the, the omnis as we talk about, yeah. as we go through yeah. Exodus. And so we're just getting, um, we've, we've, we've done the others, we're getting to omnipresent. So if God is everywhere, um, why does Jesus specifically use the term in heaven? And then that, that idea that a lot of times when you're talking to people who are non-Christian, that idea of heaven kind of throws them a bit. It throws us a bit. I mean, we don't know all there is to know. Um, but just that idea of, of, you know, where is heaven? Is there a heaven? Is it above? Where is it? Um, so how do you answer those two thoughts? Yeah. And so the word heaven itself um, is interesting, almost like the word earth, right? Uh, when we say earth, it can mean dirt, right? Like I planted seed in the earth, right? That means in the dirt, in the ground, right? If we say earth, we can also mean the globe that we live on, right? Uh, if we say that uh, Jesus came from heaven to earth, we're, we're talking about really him becoming human or whatever. So the word earth has more than one meaning or world has more than one meaning, right? Uh, or heaven has more than one meaning. So heavens, like, uh, you know, I lift, you know, I lift my eyes up to the heavens while well, I'm probably looking up at the sky, right? And so in that sense, the word heaven means sky. If we say the birds of the, you know, the birds in the heavens, we're talking about the air that they're flying around in. We're talking about God in heaven. We're talking about this spiritual separateness in a sense, right? And so God being omnipresent, which was, uh, which, so we've done what, what Rob's talking about is our last uh, three, our first three Sundays in Exodus, excuse me, were God omnipresent, meaning all present all the time, right? Uh, God omnipotent, all powerful, right? And then God omniscient, God all knowing. And so um, we've been looking at attributes of God and how God strengthens us in hard times. And so God being omnipresent uh, is, it's a good question. Is that separate? Like, okay, when we say our father in heaven, does that mean he's not here? You know, and so Jeremiah 23, uh, verses 23 and 24, and we'll put this in the show notes, all the verses we quote, the questions we ask, uh, we'll put those all in the show notes in case you're driving and listening or something. Uh, but Jeremiah 23 says, am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And so, um, you know, it reminds us, Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. So he gives himself to all mankind, life and breath and everything. And so I think our Father, that gives us a very human, present, on earth view of God, a relationship. But our Father in heaven gives us almost dueling ideas, right? Our Father who's here is also separate in heaven, right? He is entirely other. He's not just our human dad who lives in the house with us and has physical limitations. He is our Father who is also omnipresent in heaven. He is separate. In Jeremiah 23, the verse I just quoted, am I God at hand? Like, am I God right here? Declares the Lord only right here. 
He says, and not a God far away, like greater than this. Can a man hide himself in secret places that I cannot see him? Like, is there anywhere you can go that I can't see you and touch you and hear you and reveal myself to you, right? Declares the Lord. Then he says, do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord. So I think when, when Jesus starts off, he gives us our father as a relationship, a human understanding in heaven, making God bigger than our human experience. Great. Yeah. Thanks for the explanation. I think that, uh, that puts it well. It's important to know as we start this prayer that it's important to understand our relationship to God and, and who God is in comparison to us. Um, we have a little bit of time before yeah. we wrap up. Um, so just wanted to, to throw this out there and see if there's anything to this or not. But this is Jesus teaching his apostles, his disciples to pray. I mean, I've heard some people say that, you know, this might be called the disciples prayer, not the, right. the Lord's prayer. Um, but he starts off, as we just saw, with teaching us to pray to the Father. And so yeah. as we pray, does it matter if we're praying to the Father, if we're praying to the Son, if we're praying to the Godhead? Does it make any difference at all? Or is it just him saying, Here, here's a blueprint, pray this way? Yeah. And I think that's a great question. And I will, I will tell you, I think, I think, one, it doesn't make a difference. I think two, it does make a difference. We'll contrast those two. And then three, I'll tell you what I do and, uh, and why. And I kind of almost break my own rule. And so um, all that to say, do I, does it matter? So if you're a Christian sitting down and you open up by praying to the Holy Spirit or praying to Jesus or praying to God the Father, do I think God listens to one prayer and not another? Absolutely not. Like I think... Your prayers to God, like you said, the Godhead, the Trinity, um, God hears that. God is God, right? God is one, one God uh, revealed in three persons, um, simultaneously, coexistent, co-eternal, amazing, right? But Jesus is in human flesh teaching his disciples to pray. And even when Jesus is in flesh on earth with them, he constantly says, listen, I don't do my will, but I do the will of the Father in heaven. It's not that they want two different things. Jesus is teaching them how to live, right? So he's teaching them how to pray. He will go on later and say, you pray these things in my name. You you pray them with my authority, right? So I think formally, properly, we're taught to pray to God, Um as Jesus lives and dies and, and raises again to life and ascends back to heaven, uh, and the apostles, these disciples here, and, and, and uh, Paul and others, as they go on to write scripture, um, the author of Hebrews, as an example, will talk about Jesus as our mediator in heaven. Jesus seated at the right hand of God, um, making prayer for us, making petition for us, mediating for us. And so also praying for us. And so I think we get this image of our prayers rising up to God. So I think properly, officially, if there's a, if that's true, uh, we, are, we address our prayers to God. Um, and yet knowing God has three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and we know that, right? Um, now, God hears them all. I think properly we're taught to pray to God the Father. Uh, however, and if, you, if anybody goes to church or watches our live stream, you'll hear me often address my prayers to Jesus. Um, and I do that for a reason. Um, I think 
modern day, the term God is very diluted and watered down. Um, I've heard somebody on TV just yesterday say he's a, he's a Muslim and say, listen, all the Abrahamic religions, Christian, Judah, Jewish, and, and, and Muslim, uh, he says, same God, God of Abraham, same God. And I'm like, no, no, it's not, man. Like, because for me, Jesus is God. For the Muslim, Jesus is not God. For the Jew, Jesus is not God. So either I'm right and the Trinity, you said the Godhead, same idea, exists and I'm right or I'm wrong. And if I'm wrong, then Jesus is a good teacher like Judaism or a prophet like Islam, uh, not even the greatest prophet. Their greatest prophet is, is Muhammad. But for me, Jesus is God. So not the same God, right? Um, so when I pray, I often uh, will pray to God, and then I, you'll hear me almost shift gears like I'm praying to Jesus, and I'm being clear about which God I'm praying to. And so do I think that's wrong? No. Uh, would I say formally we pray to God? Yes. Uh, but man, for me, I don't want this generic watered-down version of the American God. I, I want everybody to know this is God and, and Jesus, his Savior. So anyhow, I, I don't know if that helps any. But uh, I think formally God. Great. Yeah, and we, we want to thank you for listening. This is, um, as we talked about, it's the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. We've got six more episodes, and we're going to really dive into the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. I'm really looking forward to that. I hope we got off on the right foot today and you've learned something. Um, just as a reminder um, that every Tuesday we release a new Guilt, Grace, and Gratitude episode. We want to thank you for listening the Generations Church podcast. We hope you will share us with your friends and family. We hope you will give us a like or a review. And uh, we look forward to giving you the next episode a week from today on Tuesday. We'll see you then. For more information, visit our website at ginfamily.church. G-E-N family dot church. You can also follow our social media accounts at Gin Family Church.